0: From the
2: USA Today Network, welcome to The Chop,
0: a Rutgers football podcast.
2: Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Ross, Chris Eisman, and Steve Edelson.
3: And welcome back to The Chop, a Rutgers football podcast. Ryan Ross here with Chris Eisman and Steve Edelson. Rutgers drops their first game of the season at home to Iowa 27-10. The Scarlet Knights lose the Big Ten opener and things Not much easier from here on out. The Scarlet Knights will travel to Columbus, Ohio to take on the third-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. Certainly a tall task for Rutgers coming up this week. We'll have plenty about the upcoming game against the Buckeyes. But before we get to that, guys, Rutgers, uh, kind of a letdown loss, I would say, Saturday. They're really never in the game. They have this exciting atmosphere with the home crowd, uh, a primetime Saturday night game, and really just kind of flat from Rutgers, never really in this game, Chris.
2: Yeah, right. and as you said, I mean, I think that that's kind of what, you know, for a lot of fans led to the disappointment of, of the of the outcome, right? I mean, everything was there, and, and Steve wrote about this after that game, that everything was there for this to be kind of a, a real momentous night, um, kind of a, a defining mark for, for Rutgers in this current, you know, Greg Sciano era, under the lights, the new LED lights, the, the whole light show that they put on, packed atmosphere, it was a really cool environment. And I, you know, as I tweeted before the game, it was the best environment at SHI stadium in a long time. So I think that that's what fueled a lot of the, the disappointment. And I think what also fueled a lot of the disappointment after that game was the fact that it was two turnovers that changed that game, the pick six and then the fumble, Josh Youngblood's fumble that got returned for a touchdown. You take those two things out of it. And again, you know, that's easy to say, I mean, right. That's the game. So you can't take, take those two things out of it. But if you do, that game looks very, very different going into the fourth quarter, and then all of a sudden Rutgers is in a close battle late into the game. So I think that those two things combined kind of made this a missed opportunity for Rutgers, and I think that that's what's fueling a lot of the outcome, a lot of disappointment about the outcome.
0: You know, and I, you, Chris, you bring up the two turnovers, and, and I think that just points out how razor-thin – margin of error is for this team particularly with the offense struggling like it is you can't you can't give the other team any points in a game like that and you know unfortunately that's what they did and you know now you know that path to a potential bowl game you know looks really really tough now now that you've lost to iowa and uh you know i think that is also kind of the reality that's sinking in for a lot of fans
2: it is funny too i mean before the season If you had asked me what Rutgers was going to be after four games, I would have said two and two. I didn't think that they were going to beat Boston College, and I didn't think that they were going to beat Iowa. I thought that this was going to be a four and eight year, and maybe five and seven if they could find a way to steal a win somewhere else. And right now they're three and one. They're doing it with a quarterback who has never played this much. An offensive line that was questionable coming into the year and remains pretty questionable because those transfers, three of them, have never played either at this level, anywhere close to the Big Ten level, or – that that much at this level, you know, Curtis Dunlap obviously was at Minnesota, but he's in a starting spot now and he's he's playing a lot. Um, You know, your best transfer recruit, Tosh Harris, left the program. So that hurt your wide receiver core. You've had injuries. Guys like Aaron Young um, have been hampered, you know, and haven't played yet so far this season. So, yeah, I mean, the offense is still suspect it still has a lot of room to grow, but I think a lot of the things that we're seeing before the season or that we were thinking before the season are coming to fruition. That, you know, in some ways there was going to be steps forward, particularly on defense, that there was a shot that that could be a real strength. I think that that's starting to show, you know, that that's what's going to keep Rutgers in games. But the offense was going to be questionable. And obviously the quarterback situation with Gavin Wimsted and and Noah Vedrill hurt, you know, that changed everything. And we don't know when when those guys are going to come back. We don't know if they're going to be available for Saturday. But listen, I mean, we said before the year that this could be an ugly season. This could, things could be, you know, this is about growth. This is about progress. It's about development. It's looking toward the future. And I get it. A lot of fans don't want to hear that. And I see it on Twitter. You know, this is year three of a rebuild. They should be more far along than this. Uh, other teams have rebuilt in, in three years. But, and I, I understand that. I certainly do. And I, I thought that there would be a little bit more at this point too. But at the same time, when you rebuild in arguably the toughest division in college football, and you have, there was no offensive line depth there was completely depleted forget about talent there was just no depth along that line there was a lot that had to be done and it's difficult to rebuild that quickly and you know you can't rebuild through the portal that's just not sustainable Michigan State is proof of that so you have to develop the recruiting you have to rebuild through recruiting I should say and then develop that talent and that takes time and the gap the the road for Rutgers to become competent was steep to become competitive it's even steeper now again Iowa that game I thought it would have been closer, but I didn't think that they were necessarily going to win it. You know, again, it, it's the road. This is going to be a tough season. And I, I think it's just it's important for people to keep that in mind. Year three, it doesn't really matter at this point. I get it. You know, you want to see more results, but this thing is going to take time. And it's just it's it's going to be, you know, it's going to be ugly. It's not going to look great. So and again, the quarterback situation, you know, Gavin Wimsett, obviously, you know, you want to see him if you're a fan of this team, you want to see him games. And, you know, we don't know when that's going to happen at this point.
3: Yeah, and it's almost like the the winning kind of makes the flaws that you've seen in this team, that we've seen in this team, uh, a little bit easier of a pill to swallow. Sure, they started the season 3-0 and against three opponents that we said, you know, aren't the greatest in the world. And we saw the flaws. We, we we knew what was wrong with this team in three wins. But then, you know, you turn around and say, well, they won the game. That's all that matters. You're not going to get away with that now in the Big Ten. Now that you've started this schedule, now that you're really starting to play some very talented, good teams, especially this week, uh, you're not going to be able to kind of skate by with some of the mistakes, some of the flaws that you have as a team.
2: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, and as Steve said, the, the, there's no the, – the margin for error is so small. You can't – and that's why they're 8-0 no, when not committing a turnover going back to 2020. There's a reason for that because they can't overcome those mistakes. I mean, it's just when they don't make mistakes and they play sound football, they can win. But if they're giving things away and they're giving teams out their opportunities, it's going to be a rough road for Rutgers. And right now, I mean, they saw that against Iowa you know and they're going to continue to see that if they don't play well against ohio state and we'll talk about that later it's going to get ugly <laughs> you know i mean that's just the way it is so mm-hmm. now you look at the rest of the season obviously you've got nebraska you've got indiana uh, i mean there there's chances there for wins but you know expectations should be kept you know just reasonable right now because again this is this team is is you know it's got some stuff to figure out there's no doubt about it
0: You know, and and I think one of the things that has to come out of this season is you have to feel comfortable that you have a quarterback of the future. And right now that whole process is on hold, you know, with the injuries, the injury to Gavin Wimsett. So, you know, I think that's part of the frustration is, you know, the one thing you really need to accomplish this season, you're not getting done right now.
2: That is a hundred percent correct. I totally agree with you. If at that end of the season there's still questions at quarterback, this is that would be a major issue, in my opinion, and I guess in, in your opinion too, Steve. I mean, it would just be you know that's what has to get fi- figured out this year. And again, as obviously the in- injury to Wimsett is hurt setting that back. But still, I mean, if at the end of the year we still don't know who the quarterback of this future can, this team can be in the future, that's going to be a major problem. And that's you know that's a, that's a big criticism right now is they still haven't been able to develop a quarterback, although. Again, the injuries have, have contributed to that, so that a lot of
3: that's out of their control. And for a team with flaws, a team with injuries, a team still trying to develop some players, uh, a weekend in Columbus, Ohio, might not be uh, the best experience for the Scarlet Knights. What's to say about Ohio State that hasn't already been set around the country? Of course, they're ranked third, a national title contender. They have a Heisman front runner as their quarterback. They have blue-chip prospects all over the field, season award, uh, individual award uh, contenders all over the field, Uh, certainly not an easy task at all. The weather might be nice, though. The weather might be nice. We'll see. Yeah. So there's always that to look forward to. Enjoy a nice game outside in Columbus. But, uh, you know, this is obviously a game where Rutgers will be monumental underdogs against Ohio State. Uh, It's why they play the games, of course. You never know, but certainly uh, when you put these two teams together and match them up, uh, these are just two programs that exist on on totally different planes right now, to say the least. For more on this game against Ohio State, we are happy to chat with our colleague from the USA Today Network, Joey Kaufman. He's the Ohio State beat writer from the Columbus Dispatch. He gave us a nice in-depth look at these Buckeyes and how they stack up against Rutgers. Here's our chat with Joey. Rutgers on the road in the horseshoe against the number three ranked Ohio State Buckeyes this Saturday. And for a closer look at the Scarlet Knights opponent, we are thrilled to be joined by our USA Today Network colleague, Joey Kaufman. He is the Ohio State beat writer for the Columbus Dispatch in Columbus, Ohio. Joey, thanks so much for being here today.
0: Thanks for having me.
3: Now, when you look at this Ohio State team, obviously, number three in the country, they do everything well. But when you look at this offense, what makes the Ohio State offense special, unique? What makes them so good?
1: It's the same as in a lot of years. They have a, a really good trigger man, and they have really good receivers, and they are very explosive. I think that's uh, the, the big takeaway. It's it's not honestly a whole lot different than probably what Rutgers fans remember last year. C.J. Stroud is back behind center. He does have some new targets. Uh, there's a little bit of a different flavor and a little bit different, maybe stylistic difference in, in the passing game this year without Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. They have a tight end now, Cape Dover, who's a lot more heavily involved in the passing game. Really, they, they haven't used the tight end position all that much as a, as a weapon downfield, but it's been one this year. So I think some of the targets are a little bit different, but there are a lot of good guys for C.J. Stroud to still throw the football to.
2: Joey, when you look at C.J. Stroud, I mean, are there any ways that he's elevated his game this season from last year, even when he obviously played at an incredibly high level last season? Are there a way that he's even better this year?
1: Yeah, I wrote about it last week uh, for the dispatch. Just C.J. Stroud is making a lot more plays on the run this year. I mean, last year, I think you look at all his highlights, he would, he would drop back in the pocket and that was really his cocoon. He didn't really leave it all that much. But this year, he's a lot more willing to use his legs, And I think it's a little bit similar in some ways to Justin Fields. Fields would would move outside of structure and move outside of the pocket and wait for something to develop down the field. And Stroud isn't ever going to run like Fields is to pick up first downs or really be a weapon that way. But he's certainly, I think, more willing to, to move to his right and move to his left and, and wait for something to – to open up downfield or some some coverage to break and and find the gap that way. We've seen him throw a few really big ones on the run. He had a a big rollout for a touchdown against Toledo, had another one where he rolled to the left against Notre Dame, which helped extend a, a big drive in the fourth quarter to help seal that game so I think that's really the, the big difference to him. You see that all the time on Sundays now, too, with all the great NFL quarterbacks, uh, Patrick Mahomes and all those guys willing to make plays out str- outside of structure. I think that's the big difference with, with Stroud this year. If a play breaks down or if he's chased outside the pocket, there's a, there's a big rush, he's going to be able to do some stuff that's outside of maybe what's scripted.
0: Joey, the, the Rutgers offense has really struggled this year. We talk about kind of some of the monumental challenges they're going to face against this defense.
1: Yeah. I think one of the hallmarks for for Jim Knowles is, is defense, really a bread and butter for him is, is chasing after quarterbacks, causing disruption in the pocket. I think it, it blends well with Ohio State's offensive philosophy because what the Buckeyes really don't want, and it's the recipe for a lot of teams that have been able to beat them in recent years is – they have these long, sustaining drives that that eat up clock and, and keep their offense off the field. Where a team gets the ball and they go 80 yards in six or seven minutes. I mean, that's darn near half the quarter where Iowa State's not getting the football back. So with Jim Knowles, they they have this aggressive mindset where they they want to get off the field on third down. They want to attack the quarterback. They there have been times this year where they they'll blitz one or two linebackers and, and drop the defensive end in the pass coverage. So their priority number one is to to cause confusion in the backfield for a quarterback and i ex- expect it'll be no different this week considering that the quarterback situation at rutgers being down to third string guy last week and, and really the the top of the depth chart being in flux especially considering that that dynamic i, I think they'll certainly be eager to to be disruptive back there joey is there any chance that the jackson's been the jigba plays this, this saturday I think there's a chance, but it's, it's really proven his hamstring injury has been a week-to-week thing this season. He was hurt early on against Notre Dame and didn't come back. He tried to come back in that game, but it was it was just for a couple plays here and there. Then sat out against Arkansas State, and, and Ryan Day had said all along that they were not going to play him unless he was 100% healthy. He didn't miss all that much time. He came back against Toledo. And then was out against Wisconsin. So it certainly seems to be something that, that's bothering him. And they're still kind of waiting for him to to maybe be at full strength. I don't know if he was against Toledo, or at least he was close enough to it. But it's remarkable how good they've been offensively this year without him. I was just looking up the, the PFF snap counts for him. But he's only been on the field for, for 38 plays on offense this year. And, and CJ Stroud still managed to throw 16 touchdowns to lead the entire country.
0: Joey, the, Rutgers has never proven it can be competitive with Ohio State yet. Um, I don't know. Do they kind of view this as a game where, look, we can get a lot of guys involved here. Maybe we can rest some starters. Maybe we can, um, you know, get by without a few guys here.
1: I'm sure they do because, I mean, I, I, I think that's – You're as you said, Rutgers has just not proven over the years that, that they're going to be able to give them a game. And you look at the, the, the average margin of victory between these two teams since Rutgers joined the league has been 42.5. So Ohio State certainly had their share of, of beatdowns. But I do think Ohio State and Ryan Day are looking at this in, in, in the macro where I don't think they want to see these dips week in and week out. Ryan Day's talked a lot this year so far about having competitive stamina, not really taking their foot off the, the gas pedal and, and being able to, to keep building and building. Toward November and in, the, in that Michigan game, so I, I think if there are some guys who are seventy-five percent, I don't know if they rush them back this week, and they certainly are banged up, especially in the secondary. They had their top three corners out against Wisconsin. I don't think they're going to necessarily push guys out to play, but I think in their their mental approach for this game, they want to be at a, a high level and and not take Rutgers lightly.
2: Joey, so just wanted to ask about a, a New Jersey player on Ohio State's roster, uh, one of them, uh, Ronnie Hickman. Um, what have you seen from him and, and kind of what, you know, how far along he's come uh, at Ohio State? I know it's kind of been an interesting journey for him.
1: Yeah, a couple of New Jersey guys on this team. I wasn't sure who you were going to ask about. I thought you might maybe you were going to ask about Luke Whippler on the offensive side, uh, the, the center, who's uh, certainly a, he will vouch for the, the pizza and, and bagels in New York uh, or in New Jersey. But uh, Hickman on the defensive side, he's been, Last year, he was their leading tackler. He was playing in a position that they called the bullet, which was the, the, sort of a hybrid linebacker safety role. And, and he's played a little bit more of a free safety in, in Jim Knowles' new defense where he's man in center field. So I don't think his, his tackle numbers have been quite as high because he's been a little removed from the action at times this year. But but they like his uh, ability and coverage and his, his range as a safety. And he's been he's – been, doing well. I think reading defenses, he, he had their first turnover of the season against Toledo, where he picked off Daquan Finn on one of the, the opening first drives of the, the second half where he, he read the, the RPO just right and jumped in to pick it off. So I think he's really shown some versatility the last two years, going from one role in a defense last year to a, a different spot a little bit in, in Jim Knowles, scheme. So his ability to, to handle kind of a variety of, of spots is, That's really impressive in the Buckeye secondary.
0: Hey, Joey, at a program like Ohio State, you know, your teams are constantly compared with teams of the past. How do you think this team stacks up against maybe some of the recent vintage Ohio State teams?
1: I think the hope for a lot of people in Columbus that this will be a team that's going to give 2019 a run for its money. That was Ryan Day's first team. And, and that was a year where he really, I think, s- had a good staff. Jeff Hafley was running the defense. He's now the coach at Boston College, another New Jersey native. Uh, but the defense has really improved uh, this year. And they've always had good offenses ever since Ryan Day has been there, especially since he's gotten maybe the quarterback season wanted from Dwayne Haskins to Justin Fields to C.J. Stroud from 2018 on. They've had one of the best in the country. The issue has been defense. I mean, he's now on his – third defensive coordinator in, in four years, the hope is Jim Knowles maybe could have a longer tenure than some of the other guys. But this, if the defense lives up to, to their end of the bargain and, and so far they have through the first few weeks of the season, they're ranked in the top 25 and in, in total defense nationally. If that defense can, can, be disruptive. I think it gives them a chance to, to maybe at least be a team that you can compare to, to 19. And it felt like the last two years, they were a good offense that was carrying an a up and down defense.
3: And Joey, it's normally at this point in the interview, we ask you for a prediction for Saturday. But with uh, the point spread at about 40 points at last check from our friends at Tipico Sportsbook, uh, I guess that would be a little bit of a waste of time. But as you go to the game Saturday, what are some things that you're especially curious to see that you're looking for and that maybe fans at home watching should, should be on the lookout for?
1: To me, I think it's it's Ohio State's secondary. Uh, will they be at full strength? Will Denzel Burke, who was their shutdown quarter last year, be back? And will he be available and will he be effective? And if not, last week, Ohio State started two freshmen at corner. Uh, J.K. Johnson, who's a redshirt freshman, who was – a really highly ranked guy in the 21 class. And they set a Jair Brown on the other side, who was a, a pretty good freshman uh, recruit as well. But neither of those guys had played a ton until the Wisconsin game. And Wisconsin didn't really test them at all. So I'll be curious if, if Rutgers at least tries to, to stretch the ball downfield and make some plays. I mean, Wisconsin, it felt like they just would not deviate from their – 1990s era of football which is going to be run run the football and it didn't seem willing to to all attack uh, the corner so to me that is uh i guess what i'm curious to see most of all is if any team is going to to try to to pick on the secondary even when when they've been at full strength it's not been a a a position where they've they've really been very stable this year just because the number of big plays they've they've given up so i think that's probably what i'm looking for the most
3: Well, the Scarlet Knights will have their hands full to say the very least Saturday on the road at Ohio State. Joey Coppin from the Columbus Dispatch, thank you so much for stopping by the show and thanks for all the great info. Thanks for having me. Again, thanks to Joey Kaufman from the Columbus Dispatch for joining the show. Guys, as we uh, start to wrap things up here, Rutgers, of course, on the road against Ohio State. uh, At last check from our friends at Typico Sportsbook, uh, about 40-point underdogs in that game. Uh, Chris, as you look ahead to this contest, uh, I I would say it's David versus Goliath, but I think in this instance, Goliath also has a a slingshot, and it's uh, C.J. Stroud under uh, center there for the Buckeyes. When you look ahead to this game Saturday, uh, I don't think anyone's going to predict a Rutgers win, but maybe some things that you're going to focus on.
2: Yeah, Rutgers hasn't beaten Ohio State nine tries previously, and that's about or eight tries previously, and that's about to become nine. I mean, you know, listen, I, you know, if you're if you're looking at this game, you're basically just saying how close can Rutgers keep it? You know, I mean, if if they can even keep it close, if they can. And it depends on what your definition of close is. Um, But, you know, you just try and put up a fight, try and show some good things. You know, listen, you know, Rutgers has some some talent on defense. You know, we were talking to Max Melton yesterday and, you know, he's got, you know, NFL potential. Well, now's a chance to go out and test yourself against some of the best in the country. You know, so, you know, see what you can do against this team. And again, it's going to take you know, and Greg Shiano talked about this on Monday, it's going to take a clean all around consistent performance for Rutgers to really give it, give itself a chance. And, and, you know, I mean, he's never going to say, you know, he's going to say the chance to win, but I think for everybody outside the program, it's just a chance to, to keep it close. If not, things could get pretty darn ugly. So, you know, it's going to be, listen, I mean, the talent gap between these program these two programs is wide right now, very wide. Uh, it's probably going to stay that way for a long time and you know there's a long way to go between before these programs are really uh, on the same or either anywhere close to the same level
3: Steve how about you
0: you know I mean listen they just beat Wisconsin by 31 last week what are they going to beat Rutgers by you know I mean that's why the line is what it is I think they probably will uh, cover in this game but you know I mean I, I think if if you're a Rutgers fan you're you're you realize that you're going to take a beating here, and you're going to have to move on, and and maybe you're looking ahead to those two games at home coming up—Nebraska, Indiana. You know, realistically, winning ga- winnable games. Obviously, Iowa was winnable too, and that didn't work out. But I think you have to kind of look forward to those games uh, and say, "Look, we're going to lose this game, but you know, we have a chance maybe to get back on track at home. You know, if we can, if we can come out of this game." you know, maybe learn something and, and get healthier. Uh, you know, and I think a lot of Rutgers fans are going to be looking at that uh, Indiana visits Nebraska this week. Uh, that'll be interesting to see what happens in that game. Cause then, then Rutgers, you know, those are their next two opponents. So again, it's going to be tough, but uh, I think you're, you're kind of hoping to just survive this and, and get to the next two games.
2: Yeah. yeah. And if, if you're going with the quarterback situation too, I mean, if Evan Simon is the guy for now, you know, depending on the injuries to, to Wimsett and Vedrill, you know, it's another chance for him to test himself against a really good defense and see what he what did he learn that went wrong against the Iowa game he made some good plays in that game there's no doubt but he still got a long way to go before he becomes really consistent as consistent as that team wants him to be so now is another chance you know to let him roll see what he can do against a, you know a very good defense um and and just kind of continue to learn from these mistakes and grow
3: yeah, and that's that's kind of been the theme all season and something that's we've hit on. You know, you want to see those glimpses and and whether it's from the quarterback position or elsewhere, you want to see those kind of brief looks into the crystal ball of what might be in the future for this program. And when you stack up against Ohio State, obviously things are not going to look very pretty, but you hope to just see kind of those flashes, those glimpses of what might be down the road and like Steve said, survive this game, take your lumps, whatever it might be, come out of it relatively injury-free and move on and burn the game film, whatever, move on. You're 40-point underdog against Ohio State. If you lose by 35, you're happy with that. You cover, uh, you know, it should be uh, a tough one. Uh, maybe they hang around for the first quarter before Ohio State really turns it on. Who knows? It's why they play the games. We shall see. And of course, Just survive and move on. And that's what you got to do. And like Steve said, too, two winnable games coming up at home. So go out there, compete, measure yourself against one of the best teams in the country, and then you come home and try to build on that. We'll be watching, of course ruckers at ohio state again read chris and steve's reporting on the scarlet knights on app.com and on northjersey.com be sure to tell your friends if you like what you hear subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and we will come back next week with another episode of the chop we will recap the ohio state game and look ahead to ruckers and nebraska thank you so much for listening to the chop for steve edelson and chris eisman i'm ryan ross we'll talk to you next week